Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you today? Uh, doing good, Shad. Um, I'm I'm actually not doing well today because there was the tragic passing of one super porky. Yeah, on <laughs> that's Monday. true. That's that's true. Well, it it was like kind of a double whammy because it was was um. Was that Saturday or Monday when that weird thing about like Brian Blair's son getting murdered yesterday started coming I out? I, I found out about it um, on Monday. Because that one's just awful. Because by all accounts, by anyone like Brian Blair is like a cool dude, and it's really it really sucks that um he has to deal with with that. I haven't heard too much about that, but was it that his son got? He's, was he found like at his job site, something like that? Yeah, that's that's what I had read. Hmm. So yeah. I don't know how much they know about it, but I think they found him murdered. Yeah. Mm. So, oh, and the uh, um, the it's not wrestling related, but it just happened today, and he was young. The um, the founding drummer of Slipknot Slipknot also died today. Yeah, in his sleep, they're saying. I don't know if, if it's related to anything else, but he's only 46. Yeah. That's, well, hopefully that's the only three that are going to come up, because that's, ugh, it always seems to come in threes. Anyway, we're going to get our shout-outs taken care of. Um, the first one is going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast to save ten percent off your order. And they've just dropped some new shirts, so head on over and check it out. Our other shout out means that I pass the mic to Matt. That would be to Orlando Cologne. You know, guys, if I wanted, if if I could have anyone representing me in the Olympics, it would be Orlando Cologne, and he would be representing. <laughs> The United States of America, you know why? Because Puerto Rico is a lovely territory that is part of the United States. They are American citizens. I'd be proud. I would wave the little star-spangled banner and my little stars and stripes. I'd wave that flag. Like I, You would think I'm like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. How I would be waving <laughs> is, that it, flag. is it a territory or a commonwealth? Uh, I actually think it is a commonwealth, I believe. Yes, yes, it's a commonwealth. The commonwealth of Puerto Rico. It's an unincorporated territory. Look at me knowing my technical terms. Oh, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico is an mm. unincorporated territory of the United States. Yes. Interesting. They've, they've bandied back and forth. 
there's some Puerto Ricans that want it to be um, independent, like its own country, but there's a lot of uh, also push for to make it a state. Mm-hmm. It sounds personally, like, I would. It try. sounds like um, it sounds like the debate there with what they want to do is very similar to Scotland with like the UK. Mm-hmm. It seems like those are very like internally. It seems like those are very similar divisive issues. Yeah. I've been there. It's a it's a beautiful country. Nice beaches. Um, really beautiful place to visit. My wife and I are contemplating going there soon. She's been. I've never been. The uh, El Moro is really cool. If um, mm-hmm. and if people are listening, and you've ever been to like stuff from like way back in the day. If you're taller than five three, you feel like a giant person. No. Oh. Because everything, you know, everyone was shorter back then, so everything's built that way. So if you ever like tour an old like Spanish boat recreation, everything's, you know, built with the idea that five five is is very tall. I'm I'm I probably shouldn't go then. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to you'll have to you'll have to be ducking down. Yeah. Uh, if if my wife and I go, I don't know if they're currently. Had they been running shows, but the World Wrestling Council, I would be like so interested in trying to see a show <laughs> if there yeah. was one going on at the same time that yeah. we potentially were there. You could um, make a, a poster board sign that says, you know, we love Epico. Yeah. Oh, I'm looking it up. They uh, they haven't looks like they haven't per uh, per cage match. They haven't been running shows in the last like three months. I don't know if that's really accurate enough but they, they it have sounds like they show. they run just enough to keep their tv going maybe that's it maybe that's the, these are all tv tapings yeah also um if you like what you hear subscribe to us on itunes or wherever your podcasting's done and please leave us a review on itunes because that helps us also on the feed we just had episode two come out this week, but Tales from the Long Box, where my wife and I review Thor comics chronologically. Um, I'd say stop in and listen to us discuss the ridiculousness of the, th- the Silver Age. <laughs> I uh, I just re-upped my Marvel uh, Universe app, so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and read uh, I guess read along with you guys, and maybe in the future we could. Uh, we could find a new comic that we could all that I could like join in and do a yeah, podcast I, with you guys about it. I'm back to reading West Coast Avengers on my side when I just finished Tubo Dracula <clears throat> recently. I'm gonna try and go back a few years in Marvel because I was trying to go through and read all of their big events starting with kind of like Civil War and work my way through, but then my my uh, subscription like went out, so I, I need to go back. I think I I stopped at like Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion's not particularly great. Yeah, but I'm try- I want to try and read through all like the big events because that kind of the last few years like that because that kind of has set the direction of a lot of Marvel stuff. But I want to read through a lot of I'll say recent-ish Spider-Man. I kind of wanted I kind of wanted to start with like 600 and go from there. Yeah, um, Superior and, and Spider-Man's I, a must-read. Mm-hmm. It really um, if there's probably been a debate about Green Goblin versus Doc Ock, who's his biggest antagonist and superior spider-man makes that answer clearly dr octopus without a doubt Mm. is his like premier villain i also think for as flawed as civil war as an event was the aftermath was really interesting like i thought they they really took marvel in some interesting places with 
the, the like the post status quo of that and it really mm-hmm. kind of makes me sad that didn't last longer yeah uh i also am inspired to go and read like basically just random 1970s stuff like you were reading what tomb of dracula yeah yeah i kind of want to i kind of want to explore that because i i kind of stopped collecting like physical copies of comics just because i don't really have the space and it kind of became a bit unwieldy but i i am tempted if i if i get back into stuff i kind of want to collect just random stuff like that like tomb of dracula would be like something i would try to collect just because it's good but it's also just it's it's also like finite there's only like so much of that it's not like as much as i love spider-man it's not like amazing spider-man where there's literally like i don't i don't know 600 plus issues i don't know what you would get into with prices with that other than 10 which is blade's first appearance that one Mm -hmm. i think is going to run you a little bit it's really amazing how I, when I got a lot of my super valuable stuff was like the early 2000s when like we were still in that crash where everything lost value. And there's things yeah. I bought at the time, which I thought was a lot of money for like 150 bucks that I could probably get bricked and sell for like 10 grand now. Yeah. Well, for example, like uh, one of the things that I have collected, and it's, this was only like, I think like 12 issues, but I have the original series with Machine Man, which oh, is a. Uh, that's, yeah. That's a really fun. Who did that? Was that that was somebody famous? I felt in the artwork on that. Oh, was that that was? What year was it? Uh, was it seventies? It was definitely seventies. Was it late seventies? Uh, let me look this up really quickly. It's gonna be someone like Gene Colan or Jack Kirby, I bet. Oh, uh, it was Jack Kirby. Yeah. I think, yeah. Was that his return it, to Marvel? I think so, because that was done in, wow, 78. Yeah. That's actually later than I thought it was. So that's when he <laughs> came back, because I think that's when he did, like, Devil Dinosaur, and he got, he came back to Cap, and, like, they were yeah. just letting him create stuff. But the, the first series, aka Volume 1, like, that was done by Jack Kirby, and it's, uh, it was really a cool book. It, oh, oh, okay, it, I'm looking it up, it says it had, like, 19 issues i think i got all of them and when i when i collected them i want to say i probably got them in like the dollar bins that's that's like a that's an example that's what i'm talking about like something really random um that's affordable (laughs) and um that could collect the whole thing and it would just be really cool i have um i think i have uncanny x-men number 96 i bought that at a convention because it was cheap and Mm -hmm. then um dave cockrum happened to be there so I happened to wander over and get that signed by him. Oh, nice. And I think I have that 90s um, Inhuman series. I think I have that all signed by Paul Jenkins. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I used to I used to take stuff to conventions to get signed. I don't, I don't really do that anymore, but I haven't really bought physical books in a long time. So if the comic cup hasn't clued you in on where we're going we are delving back into the realm of comics tonight is a special discussion but not what you might be expecting uh brad can you give us the background and the parameters on what we're doing so we're actually doing this for both companies but we are drafting a 
a Justice League from DC, which we'll be doing tonight, and then next week we'll be doing Avengers from Marvel. But so the parameters is you need a minimum of five members with a maximum of seven members, but at, either, at any number you take, you can also take two reservists as options. Um, there's some limitations on it, like uh, have a specific team role for them. Like you don't want Superman, Shazam, like Steel, and you know a bunch of bruisers know. on your team that all do the same thing. Yeah, you need some variance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, personal restrictions that I put on is that I very actively tried to steer from the most of the the most mainstream characters. So you're not going to hear me invoke Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, for example. Um, uh, looking at mine, you're probably going to know most of my picks, but they're not going to be people that spring to mind immediately when you say DC Universe. Hmm. And I did okay. that as, as kind of a personal challenge because... When, when we started talking about this, it took me three days to start whittling my list down. <laughs> you know, it's and I couldn't just be like, well, uh, JSA volume. What you know, I, I was trying to be. Um, it, there are different roles I'm trying to fill in and, and that sort of stuff. So that uh, just a personal challenge for myself. It's going to be a snaking draft, and I did this in random.org again, and we actually got the same draft order we got for the wrestling, so it's Matt, me, then Shad, and Shad gets double picks since it's snakes. So, um, Matt, you are on the clock first for... Okay, so max of five, and then... Oh, sorry, max of seven. Yeah. Five. You you Uh, essentially get nine. You get you get up to nine picks is is the essential part of it. Oh, I I forgot the two uh, the two alternatives, but yeah, reservists. I'm gonna have to think about that. I was telling the guys before the show I did not put a lot of thought into this just because um, I didn't have a lot of time. Plus, I I was kind of blanking a little bit on everyone in the DC universe that I would want to include in the draft. My problem is DC, I have a long list, and mm-hmm. I put a lot of thought into this with Magic, but, like, Marvel's where I could just be pulling, like, any anyone and everyone out of my, my butt. Yeah. I would have, like, a very strong opinion about who would be on my team. I'm yeah, I... I'm the opposite. <laughs> I, as much as I, I love comics and I do love DC comics, I, I probably know way more about about Marvel characters. Yeah, that's how I am. Like, I love DC, and mm-hmm. I probably like currently I get more DC on like Comicsology just because Marvel's not thrilling me. But Marvel's been more of my what I consider to be my home universe than DC. Mm-hmm. Okay, since I got number one, fortunately, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna so for my my main five, I'm gonna do I'm gonna I'm gonna do all nine picks. I'll find picks. But for my main five, um, I'm going to try to go with the whole trope of the five-man band. Yeah. Have you read that trope? For those who are not aware yes. of um, the five-man band trope, which you can you can read all about it on TV tropes, uh, it's five characters. Uh, obviously, the play is that it's like, like a, a five-man band. But you have the leader. You have what's called the lancer. The smart guy, the big guy, and the chick. <laughs> um, 
so I am just going to flat out take this guy. He's he's not the most powerful person, but I'm going to choose as my leader. I got to go with the goddamn Batman. Batman's my favorite character of all time. Uh, obviously, he's presented in the DC Comics universe as a, a brilliant tactician. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have him be the leader of my hypothetical Justice League. Batman so. is one is one of the two smartest men in the DC universe. So he's a good is, pick. He's supposed to be the, the other one, Mr. Terrific. Luther. Oh, Luther. Okay. Mr. Mr. Terrific. Terrific is the third. Oh, I see. That's part of his catchphrase is the third third smartest man in the universe. See, mm-hmm. I kind of I don't agree with that because I feel like Lucius Fox should be smarter than Bruce Wayne. But that's just me. Yeah. All right, so we've got the Batman, which means we go over to Brad. I mean, there's not much to discuss about Batman. It's Batman. No. So what do we Batman. got, Brad? Uh, I'm kind of thing? I'm kind of keeping the same philosophy of of the five man band, just in in its own way. Um, but I'm doing it a little different. But so my first pick, I am going to go with the Kent Nelson version of Dr. Fate. My team is very magic oriented and is going to specialize in magic stuff. And I feel like if you're doing a magic squad, even though he can be unreliable at the worst of times that your heavy hitter is going to be Dr. Fate. Like you can't really Uh, properly tackle a magical threat without Dr. Fate along. What a, what a great pick. He was actually, he was probably like on my short list. Because I was contemplating doing a magic character. That's a great pick. Yeah. Dr. Fate is... Dr. Fate is... Has the potential to be such a powerful character that, like I said, I've got, I've got like, Justice Society trades. Like, every one of them where he shows up in, there has to be some kind of device that takes him out of action because he could solve the whole thing in one or two issues if you didn't. Well, when you get oh. to, like, JSA, he was... I feel like he was very unreliable in JSA, but it wasn't Kent Nelson for that. It was, um... Yeah. Hector Hall. Yeah, Hector Hall. I don't I don't particularly care for the Hector Hall version. Well, it, it was because... that That's because Hector was just coming into the mantle of Dr. Fate from Kent Nelson, and he was trying to learn everything and, and that sort of stuff, so... Uh, you're you're dealing with an incredibly powerful and yet still very new Dr. Fate at that time. And at one point, Detective Chimp had the helmet for an issue before moving <laughs> now, on. Now, if you want something, if you want to be amused, uh, sitting on top of my desk right now, I do have a Dr. Fate helmet. I'm thinking mm. about selling it in the near future, but it is a, uh, it's made uh, fiberglass, made with fiberglass. It's a Dr. It's just it's just too small for my head. <laughs> does it, uh, I wore does it, it once. not gather mold like the um the power helmets for what was that? Fallout is it eighty is it seventy six or eighty six? Seventy six. No, it does not. Okay. Well it's um, an improvement over that design then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well let, let's be honest, a lot of the stuff with the Fallout seventy six launch was a failure. Well, um, including Fallout seventy six itself. <laughs> I just said a lot of stuff, but that's something that I'll probably sell soon enough. Like I said, when I, I bought it and the sizing was just off and I have to cut my I have to get my hair damn near scalped for me to be able. I've got thick hair. But it's like my fifth best feature. My barber charges me double. 
Um, but I almost can't wear it. So if anybody out there is interested, shoot us a message and I'll, we'll talk a little bit. But Dr. Fate's a great pick. Wasn't Dr. Fate a founding member of the, the JSA, the Justice Society of America? Yes. I um, remember reading a bunch. Who who was writing that? Was it? Um, I don't God, remember. I'm, who I'm was drawing a blank, but it was back like in the 2000s. Oh, that was um, Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns? Yes, yeah. that's Jeff Johns. Like he was he was writing, and I read I read most of those. Like that was an absolutely fantastic. I had trades of all of them. <laughs> yeah, there. He was in uh, the '40s comic, but the '40s yes. comic was like for characters that did not have their own book, and if you got your own book, you kind of got cast off of the team. I actually have the first issue of the Justice Society from the 40s. Um, I lucked into that from a yard sale. But uh, Dr. Fate is in it, and so is the Spectre. Um, now, if you were to compare the Dr. Fate and the Spectre to, to being on the... You'd be looking at me like, uh, it seems like a bit. Um, another thing that I also did as a personal restriction is there some things that i took i say are off the table for selections that that are just forces of nature you know it, the specter is not someone that you could pick to be on your super team because in my opinion because he's not he's not a character he's a plot device um, unless you're going like hal jordan specter yes but even that was short-lived so yeah um anyway dr fate can I, add, can I add two things? Go for it. Uh, the that Jeff Johns Justice Society run for mm -hmm. the period of time it was coming out, there are people who made the argument, and I think that they were completely accurate, that it was it was one of the best books that DC was publishing, and it was actually mm -hmm. better uh, in terms of actual like, storytelling. Yep. And just how things was, was were written, plotted, it was better than Justice League at that time. It was the last just, time we did our, our big comics talk thing, mm -hmm. that was the run that I was referring to as some of my favorite of all time. And I it's had so good. For those, yeah, for those who who are comic book fans, like it's it is well within your time and effort to actually track that down. It, it is available in trades, I think, pretty easily. So yeah. it's on it's on the the DC app too. If you don't want to spend mm -hmm. the money, um, I would say. Yeah. I'd say you need to give it about 12 issues to really start running. It finds its footing pretty quickly. Yeah, you have, oh, there's, yeah. there's like, I think once Hawkman shows up is when it really starts. Yeah. Like just firing. Hey, yeah. And Hawkman is not a joke member either. Hawkman is a very serious member. Mm -hmm. um, so. Gosh, just, I'm, I'm looking at the titles here on them right now. You're going to have to, you're going to have to reread those, Shad. But there's there's some work. oddities though. You say that like I don't do it regularly. <laughs> <laughs> there's some oddities I forgot with that book though, like that Black Canary was on the team for quite a ways into that run. Yep. And, and I totally kind forgot. Of had a relationship going with Doctor Midnight a little bit. Yeah. Um, Doctor Midnight, by the way, was like apparently pimp daddy because he kind of had a thing going with Black Canary and Power Girl. Um, the other thing that was really good about that run is not only did you have because uh, the dynamic is older heroes mentoring younger heroes. So there are younger heroes that are created and brought 
into the series and then developed his characters very nicely. Uh, that, you know, so it, it was not just Jeff Johns gets to have his um, continuity wank book that's not the Green Lantern core. It's he's he's creating and developing new characters that are going to grow and expand and go out from the team. Uh, you know, it, it, it was a really good build-up series for that sort of stuff, too. Billy pissed me off in that book, though, because he let Jay Garrick um, bully him into not dating Stargirl. And he was uh, that was about both that. Jay Garrick and Solomon. Wisdom of Solomon was in his head about it, too. He was a little puss about that, though. <laughs> yeah, that was a he he even says outright that that was a mistake in, a little bit later on. Oh, and um, you should read Shad because I just read it. And it was really good. It's by Grant Morrison. Um, the Multiversity okay. issue for um, Shazam is really good. Okay. Uh, I will need to run that down. So you I guess we're in a trader or, or by itself, I think. Okay. I, I will try. And the, uh, the other thing I was going to say is that uh, for a character that I really did not know about or read until, I guess, when they had him in the, the New 52 uh, or just before the New 52, I forget exactly the timeline wise, but Detective Chimp is like such an underrated character that oh, I don't is. think. I don't yeah. think most people even know about. Even if you're like a a comic book nerd, you may not have actually heard about Detective Chimp because he's kind of like a. He's he, almost he's, an Easter egg. Yeah. Yeah. But he's That's, so. It, it was so like the the stuff they did in the mid two thousands with him, like just after the New Fifty Two, or even like I guess I guess maybe that was like the early. Well, let's not dive too much on any any characters yet because we don't know yeah. who's going to end up on what team. So okay. let's let's hang on that on to that. Um, <laughs> coming over to mine, uh, my first pick will be of a surprise to no one. I wanted somebody who could be the face of the team, uh, trustworthy, capable, um, able to cover the magic side of stuff. Uh, you know, good flying brick option, uh, just all around. And I'm going to be going with the pre New Fifty Two version. But I, I'm talking about Billy Batson, Captain Marvel, Shazam, however you know him, uh, which is a shocker to nobody, because mm-hmm. of course I'm going to do that. I think he's but, more fun as a writer because he's um in in concept he's less effective than Superman because Billy's naivety kind of hampers him at times as a um effective. It depends weapon. on the writer again. Um, because like, you know, with, with Solomon whispering in his ear and stuff like that, he could be, but, uh, you know, it's, it just kind of depends if you have writers that even remember he's around, I guess. They actually did a good, I thought the future state issues with them was really good because what they did there, and I'm just going to spoil it. So they managed to trap Necron in a tower, but they needed his innocence to keep the door closed. So he was it Necron or Neuron? Neuron, sorry. Okay. Um, and important distinction. Yeah. So they um, so they kind of separate, and without him grounding him, like the actual entity of Shazam, like kind of goes cuckoo bananas. Without okay. like the human grounding, it's an interesting little gotcha. take on it. Um, and since it's a snaking draft, and I've gone on at length about 
Billy Batson in the past. I'm not going to do it again, but snaking draft. The next one I pick, I'm picking this guy as a utility player. Someone who can fill various roles, but is also going to plug some holes that no one else on my list has. So, uh, strong, tough, can fly, shapeshifter, um, Mm. tangibility, psychic, Martian Manhunter, John Jones. I hope you're Mm. going with the classic look and not the... Uh, Yeah, I'm going classic look. Um, if, If you want an idea of how I'm imagining anybody on my list... The Justice League Unlimited is is probably the safest way to go about it. So for most of them. So what I'm I'm seeing here is that you're going to need a good financer to keep this team rolling in Oreo cookies. Yeah, that's true. Um, the you do have to have your Oreos. Uh, that's a that's for, a I don't know how well known a fact that is about Martian Manhunter, but he um loves Oreos. Yeah. And he was um. Is it Bloodwind was the guy's name? Was that who his alter yeah. ego was? Well, no. It's weird, I know. Kind of, but it's Bloodwind was the character that was created by the uh, the slaves on the plantation where they killed the cruel slave owner. And what happened is that it was bound with some kind of entity to grant powers because the slave owner was a sacrifice. They stuck that in Martian Manhunter who assume the form of Bloodwind, but when you separate them, Bloodwind is a separate guy. Um, I but think that was in the, the Doomsday arc is when you saw more of Bloodwind. I think where Martian Manhunter also excels is like um, communications and overall logistical yeah. abilities where I think he outshines about everyone. The, the coordination at the speed of thought is just an excellent resource to have. I guess it's back oh. to me, huh? Yes, it is, Brad. Uh, before you get there, can I just uh, – yeah. isn't it – is it like essentially canon – just to go back to uh, Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, who I consider the true Captain Marvel, not – Yes, uh, sir. Not – what's her face? Well, even <laughs> even Marvel was Mar-Vell. just – yeah. I don't even I – don't, I don't consider Marvel or Carol Danvers or Monica Rambeau or any of the other – But that, that was just a troll job, like – Marvel put that out to get the trademark at the time. Yeah. Um, isn't it kind of canon that that Shazam, Captain Marvel, is actually stronger or more powerful overall than Superman? It's just that he's limited essentially because he's well. So for all purposes, a teenage boy. His powers. He doesn't run at full power because Mary and Freddy siphon mm. his powers. Yeah, the power splits evenly among the family if it's being used. Yeah, because that's actually – it's an actually interesting concept to Billy because he's the primary wielder, but he's such mm-hmm. a he's such a cool dude that he lets, he lets the rest of the family have power to mm-hmm. be themselves. But he – so he actually by choice only runs at probably 75% capacity because he gives Marion – and Freddy power. Mm. Yeah. If all three of them are active at the same time, then they're only as a third as strong as they could be. Um, but th- that's the thing is that Billy Batson books are really about family. 
which is part of the reason that I that I think the new 52 is still good. It's not the same character, but it's still good. And why the movie's good is it's, it's really about family. It just so happens, you know, you just get to tie the superhero stuff into it. So. Sorry. He, uh, where, he <laughs> would, where he would have it on Superman, though, and I think some writers missed that, is he he operates on the principle of magic, which Superman is not is weak against yes yes so he would he would have superman at a disadvantage just naturally. superman's even I, uh, said i think in some of the comics that his punches hurt more because they are magical well, remember they did that whole thing with atlas where he was having trouble because atlas was magical and then he goes down and like crypto like shows up oh i would need to read that and crypto's like He's like, he hurt my owner. Like, I'm going to hurt this one. Yeah. What were you going to say, Matt? I don't really want to uh, discuss it too much because we we uh, we still, I think, eventually plan to do a review of Kingdom Come. Yes. For the podcast. But I, I will say, like, I, reading Kingdom Come a long time ago, I was... I was highly fascinated by the concept of effectively an evil billy batson shazam mm-hmm. which it that's it was a little more complicated and complex than that oh yeah but i thought that that was a really interesting uh twist on that but i won't discuss it more than that because again we, we kind of want to we want to review that for the podcast and, and give kind of in-depth thoughts about that i've been slowly reading um, twists and turns on that i've been slowly yeah. reading his golden age stuff which actually is a lot better than it's um it's surrounding like the stuff around it and fun fact i think jack kirby and joe simon did a singular issue oh really of of captain marvel interesting Hmm. but okay so we don't just so we don't dwell too long on and so and so I don't hop on a soapbox. What's we're gonna go over to Brad's second pick. Okay, so I'm gonna go with my I'm gonna take my leader, my coordinator, my guy that um kinda keeps it all together, keeps the personalities in check. He is magical because people are gonna be surprised by this because he does not use a Green Lantern ring. He uses the Star Heart. Yes. So I'm going to take the Sentinel Alan Scott. Alan Scott, mm. yes, that's a great, uh, great pick. And the older, older man version of him, like from GSA. Yeah. I mm. think my favorite part, uh, actually, or my favorite um, aspect of Alan Scott was him acting as a mentor to Kyle Rayner while Kyle was dating his daughter. Like it was a, there's a whole. Uh, there's a whole dynamic like father-in-law superhero aspect going on there and it's just it's really fun because Kyle really respects him but then Kyle's also walking the line of making sure he doesn't piss him off yeah because when he's written right like he he garners probably the most respect of any of the old timers between Alan and Jay Garrick I think I feel like Jay I feel like Jay Garrick's like that uncle everyone's happy to see but has a lot of respect for, but I feel like the room goes quiet when Alan Scott, like, walks in. Yeah, I can see that. That's a good choice, though. It's such a good choice. Yeah. 
Oh, man. Okay. I, I, I mean, we're trying to do, I guess. Well, I guess we could. I guess our super team in DC could be not just hypothetical Justice League. It could be hypothetical Justice Society. But you picked two of the, the best Justice Society characters right there. <laughs> yeah. Between Dr. Two really Fade good ones. Green. Yeah. I mean, solid. Absolutely solid picks. Yeah. I would come up with another name for mine, but I, I haven't figured out what it is yet. I'm uh, kind of basing mine around Justice League Dark. I haven't really taken any of those characters, and like John mm-hmm. Constantine, I don't, um, I don't agree with him being in the DCU proper, and that's been one of that was one of Didio's uh, biggest blunders was canceling mm-hmm. Hellblazer, gotcha. to try and like make him a DC proper, and now <laughs> we have like a super neutered Constantine. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's Constantine, right? Not teen. Uh, everything I've ever heard was Constantine, but I can admit that I may be wrong. You're supposed to say it a certain way, and I, I always trend the wrong way. Um, but yeah, so Matt, you're up for your next two All picks. All right, I, yeah, I got two picks because uh, it's snaking. I'm again following the uh, the five man band trope for my my minimum five. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna pick the Lancer uh, category here. That's for those who don't know the tropes. It's just defined as a contrast to the leader. If the leader is clean cut and or uptight, the Lancer is a grizzled anti-hero or deadpan snarker. If the leader is driven and somewhat immoral, the Lancer is more relaxed and level-headed. I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stay true to that trope and pick. Uh, someone who will keep the leader on his toes because I feel uh, personality-wise they are kind of at odds, even though they're they have similarities in in essentially their backgrounds, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone who could, could play as a dead man, deadpan snarker, uh, but someone who's going to play well off with the more serious Batman. I'm going to pick Oliver Queen Green Arrow. Ooh, I feel like right. that could be. Green Arrow is like highly competent, uh, very, 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 very competent, great fighter. Uh, in some ways, Batman like. I mean, the the whole like Arrow. I mean, uh, he was CW he was. Show. A, I mean, in the in the sixties before like they mm-hmm. um before Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill kind of revamped him, he was really just a blatant Batman ripoff. Cause I think rip-off. he even had like a. He had an arrow car, and I think he even had like an arrow cave, didn't he? He he had an arrow cave and an arrow jet. It comes up in, um, I think it comes up in Injustice. It might have been in the tie-in comic, but he's hiding Harley out in the arrow cave, and he go, and she's like, "Arrow cave, seriously?" He goes, "You come up with a better name." And she goes, "How about the quiver?" And he goes, "Damn it." Um, <laughs> by the way. Uh, Brad, you were right. It his name rhymes with turpentine. It's John Constantine. Okay. So yeah. there you go. Ha ha, you I right knew it. I knew you had to say it a certain way. It wasn't. Yeah. So. But uh, the thing that I really like about your pick, Matt, is that Oliver Queen has served as kind of a heart and conscience for teams that have a lot of, um, you know, larger than life. Uh, people on them. He's he's the reminder of the folks on the ground type. And, um, well, and you know. what I like about that aspect of him too, though, is he's an obvious hypocrite in a lot of ways. So he he's not like 
I mean, some uh, some writers are, are are guilty of making him a mouthpiece, but he's also not like he doesn't get a run rough shot over everyone and nag them because they always have ammo to fire back on him. Yeah. And yeah, well, it, yeah, it, it, they made real sure to point out that Oliver Queen is not perfect. What would happen to uh, in the 70s? his speedy his ward being a heroin addict like because he didn't pay enough attention to him like and and he was pro i think he was he was pro mind wiping dr light in the in the well identity crisis but yes i think because the only person that tried to stop it was batman i think and i feel like that was in character but identity crisis is a mess that should not um yeah exist Identity crisis is a train wreck. And the, 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 the Sue the Sue Dibney rape should not have happened. It should not. The no. the best thing that happened out of Identity Crisis was Gene Mooring being set up for Day of Vengeance. That's the only good thing that I'm a, that that would come of that. But now there's there's a lot in Identity Crisis that did not need like to happen. Like Batman being too stupid to trace the phone call. Yeah. The world's greatest detective didn't trace a phone call. That's yeah. And um, the other bad one was Kyle Rayner trying to punch Deathstroke when he has a power ring. Oh, you're talking about that. that. Oh, that was so there was so much. There's... Apparently editorial was like, we want Deathstroke to, to we really want to show how awesome he is. And so I don't know who wrote it, but they wrote it in the dumbest way it could be. And. Yeah, I know that that whole event was that that whole event was was garbage. Yeah, Identity Crisis was was terrible. Brad Meltzer was not a good comic writer. Yeah, I think right. he's uh he's kind of problematic. Like he he might be a fine like novelist, but he he suffers from that issue novelists struggle with when they come to comics in that you can't you have to move in comics like stuff has to happen. You can't spend six issues building up for one issue of payoff. Like people don't go for that. Like it's kind of like um, watching Dragon Ball Z episodes when you're just like, if you have one every weekday, the fact that you have 10 days before something actually happens because you're just recapping what came before people quit on that sort of stuff. You have to in comics. And I think, I think they're kind of figuring this back out, but I think it's a lot of reasons why sales went down so much too, is in comics, you can do big overarching plots and spend 20 issues building up for a big payoff in an issue, but you need to do kind of like monster of the weeks within that. Like you kind of have to follow the Buffy formula. Or you have to have a, you have to have a fight that spans multiple issues. Yeah. So like in the weird post return of the Superman arc where Superman's power got uh, like amplified going through the eradicator. So Superman's like all overly developed and weird looking. Is that when they had to use parasite to They used Yeah. They used parasite to siphon it off, but his fight with parasite went like four or five issues. Yeah. I remember Um, that. I hate the art on that. The art was, I mean, it conveyed the fact that something was very wrong. And his mullet was about eight years out of date, too, <laughs> when he came back. 
if they wanted to say his hair was long when he came back, okay, fine. But it should have been the same length everywhere and not a mullet. Yeah. Anyway. Right, so, Matt, what's your next pick? Uh, okay, going again, uh, following the five-man band, the next uh, character up would be the smart guy. Who they describe as physically weak but intelligent or clever, often nerdy and awkwardly played for comic relief. Uh, I'm not, I'm not per se going to go with like physically weak, um, but I'm going to go with a character who's intelligent. Um, and I also think would play well off green arrow. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think the Batman green arrow dynamic would be really fun because they kind of are similar in a lot of ways. Obviously green arrow at times has been just a, a, a blatant analog for Batman, but if you think actually about it, like they, Batman, you know, will fight crime, but he will never kill. Whereas Green Arrow will talk a good game about uh, fighting for the underprivileged and and uh, some more progressive ideologies. Even though, as you said, like he he's been kind of pointed out to be a hypocrite at times. But Green Arrow will kill. Green Arrow has killed people in the comics before. Green Arrow, Green Arrow is um. So so how I view Green Arrow, he's mm-hmm. Batman. <clears throat> like but he does not have batman's strength and morality like where green arrow's hypocrisy really mm-hmm. shows through and when it's done right is green mm-hmm. arrow when the going gets tough takes the easy route every single mm-hmm. time and that means where batman might not w- might want to kill someone he doesn't do that because batman sticks to his guns where green arrow does not have that discipline or that strength of character Sometimes Green Arrow put a broad, uh, broadhead arrow point right in somebody's gut. Yeah, he just doesn't mm-hmm. have just when like those those tough times come around. Like Oliver Queen does not necessarily have the temperament or the strength of character to stick to his morality, and he'll mm-hmm. just deal with the aftermath of it. I think that's what makes him an interesting contrast to Batman. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I think uh, sometimes and and sometimes too though I think sometimes honestly. To give him a positive spin to it too. Sometimes he's just more pragmatic. Mm-hmm. That's fair. He, he does. He's not trying to figure out a big plan for it. He's just ready to bust him down. Yeah. But Matt, who is your next pick going to be? It's a character that I think has been presented, actually, perhaps best of all in the Justice League animated series. Okay. But I think I think he would actually play really well in my uh, my my team. Uh, I wanted a character that obviously would have a lot of power, so okay. I wanted to pick a I wanted to pick a Green Lantern, yeah. and I'm picking uh, John Stewart, the John Stewart Green Lantern, who I think I thought was oh did you, was he on, on your short list? He was, he was. That I thought I mean everyone loves Hal Jordan, and I think Kyle Rayner was a fantastic Green Lantern too, but I actually probably because of the Justice League cartoon, I had a really really deep appreciation for John Stewart. I think he was really done well as a guy who was, I think what ex-military. Well, he's an he's architect a too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, he's yeah. a Marine and an architect. Yeah. They, they play him up a lot for the military aspect, which I, which mm-hmm. I think is good, but I think the architect aspect to him is underutilized and underappreciated. Too. I think I do like that. They, that he, I like the architect aspect because it does, it kind of made sense. Like he would in his, in his uh, power ring constructs, it would make sense because you have a, an architect. He's mentally, he can actually plan plan his constructs ahead. He can think of stuff. That's also one of the 
cool things I thought about Kyle Rayner is that you know, he's an artist, so he can he can imagine he's very imaginative. He can create all sorts of things with the power ring. Yeah. Versus just Green Lantern, no offense, like oh, it's a giant fist. Uh, yeah. yeah, Hal Jordan uh, is not uh, sorry, Hal Jordan, the yeah. most creative of people. Yeah. But um, yeah, John Stewart has a very structured way of looking at everything, whether he's mm-hmm. he's he's building a blueprint for it or he's following you know proper procedure and orders for it. it it's a really yeah. good pick, and um, mm-hmm. and he doesn't I, have now, um, scrambling doesn't... to make a replacement. He, he doesn't have yeah. the self-destructive tendencies that Hal Jordan has. Yeah. See, that's uh, one thing. I'm sorry, Matt. I, I'm stuck. Right, I'll, I'll shut up in a second. But no, you're fine. one of the reasons that Hal Jordan is actually one of my least favorite Green Lanterns is that Hal Jordan, the whole thing, willpower, overcoming fear. Hal Jordan being remarked as the man without fear uh, on the DC side, not Daredevil, but, you know, the man without <laughs> It's like, then, uh, yeah, of course he's going to be good at it, but he's not having to overcome anything. Well, no, that's, but that's, when he's written right, which Jeff Johns really got, is, yes, Hal Jordan is all of those things, but that comes with a price. Yeah. Which is, Hal Jordan is kind of a bit of a dick. He doesn't, he doesn't necessarily take care of his personal life. Like, that's when he's interesting, is like, those areas where... All of those things are good qualities, but there's that like negative side to it. Like Hal that's, Jordan uh, strikes me as that guy that's super driven, but you have to like teach him how to program his VCR, and he'll never get it. My and he's brother ca- calling you uh, at like 12:01. He's like, "How do I how do I pro- program this VCR again?" And you're just like, "Dear God, how many times do I have to tell you how to do this?" <laughs> or you my know, it's like, the, um, "Hang on a second, Brett. Let me throw this in there because I'm trying to." Um, accent your point my brother is the biggest green lantern fan you're ever going to meet i promise you you're going to have to go a long way to beat that unless you're like jeff johns himself or something his description of hal jordan is man without fear fantastic green lantern but ring slinging is the only thing hal is actually good at yeah he's like ring slinging and fighter pilot he's like that he's like that if you've ever worked in a corporate environment he is like that high level director you work with that is super great at their job, super driven, but they can't use the the soft drink machine successfully. Like that's, that's what Hal Jordan is to me. And that's what I think what makes him interesting. But I also say the flaws are what makes the character, not the strengths too. I think it takes both. That's kind Um, of, that's kind of like Stan Lee's lasting legacy. I think past everything is like really catching that you need your flaws on your characters see that's that's overall partly why i like i prefer marvel over dc um this is not an original criticism of dc comics versus marvel comics it, people have said this for years and years and years but the i think the genius of of marvel and why marvel has been so successful is because their characters are they're more human and more relatable because they have those flaws. They they seem like real care like real people. Like even though you know you have characters who can turn into a giant green monster, or you have characters that could effectively like bench press a bus. I mean, Spider Man is one of the most popular comic book characters of all time. Probably the most co- popular Marvel character of all time. And 
he's always presented as someone who first he was, you know, a teenager, then he was, you know, just struggling to make ends meet. He, I think they still kind of have him be a lovable loser in many respects. He's gotten a but, little more successful because like post Doc mm-hmm. Ock, he started like having like a business and stuff and getting more sciencey. Yeah. But Tony Stark in Civil War, that was that was a really great aspect of their relationship. I loved in Civil mm-hmm. War where like Tony Stark's like it's like, what are you doing, man? Like, look at these web shooters. Like, you made these. Like, these are awesome. Like, why are you why are you not doing science stuff? Like Tony really, when they started buddying up and I know yeah. it kinda had fallout, Tony's like Tony's like, What the what the hell is wrong with you, dude? Like, you're talented. Yeah, that's uh, we've talked about that on the podcast before when discussing Spider-Man, but he's he's kind of subtly presented in the Marvel Universe as being an absolute brilliant mind who who can really rank right up there and hold his own with people like Reed Richards and other like Tony Stark, people like that. So he's presented again, he's presented as like this lovable loser. So you relate to him. But in many respects, like he's absolutely brilliant. He could be a top scientist. He's also has superpowers and people kind of just like, oh, like he swings around on webs and he punches and kicks guys. Yeah, but if you actually pound for pound his his superpowers, like he can he can effectively bench press a fucking bus like he is insanely strong. He can heal injuries in rapid pace due to his metabolism. He it's like on he's, the juggernaut and fire lord. Yeah, he is immensely powerful, but you don't you never like. No one ever is like, oh, Spider-Man is too powerful. Like he's, he's, uh, you need to nerf Spider-Man. It's like Spider-Man's no, like, not overloaded. Yeah, it, I think the the other aspect that makes uh, Peter Parker uh, acceptable in that way is the fact that Peter gets in his own way a lot, and so yeah. Tony, like, why don't you do this? And Peter's like, well, you know, I, I got bills. And Tony's like, you could sell this and pay your bills. And he's like, well, but you know, I, I, like he. He, he gets in his own way. Um, I, I know, I, I th- well, I think I've said this on here before, but Marvel makes characters that you can identify with. DC, at least this used to be the case, because um, it seems like they've kind of started drifting away from it, but DC would make characters that you would want to aspire to be like. like yeah, I always agree with that. Didier really screwed that yeah. up with DC, though. But yeah, I, I'm still ascribing to that. And so you still have, like, Superman, people say Superman's boring. It's kind of, well, that's because you just look at it as Superman can do all this stuff. That's not what it is. This is Clark Kent wearing the suit, doing stuff. So what you have is Clark is trying to figure out ways to solve these problems, except you got to remember Clark doesn't ever want to just fully unload on anyone because he's afraid of hurting them. Like, Superman's story is not about, oh, I'm so crazy powerful. Superman's really, in most cases, about holding back. Like, he doesn't he doesn't kill, he doesn't want to kill people, so he's, he's limiting himself in so many cases. And then it gets harder for him to take the kid gloves off. I, I think that's where the Marvel movies really catch things about the characters that the DC movies miss. Like, it's still one of my most memorable things from all the Marvel movies is the first Avengers movie where they make a Wizard of Oz reference and Captain America perks up. He's like, wait a minute. He's like, I got that one. I get that reference. Yeah. It, yeah, they, they've they done better with that. And having someone, 
who's kind of got the overarching vision for not only where the story's going, but the tone helps a lot. If I was to pick a GL, it would be Nort or Chip. No. <laughs> Chip, yeah, that's fine, but Nort goes to Antarctica and people are happy he stays there. That's the best um, episode of, of Duck Dodgers is where Daffy Duck gets a Green Lantern ring. <laughs> I think even Chip's in that and hates him by the end. So um, <laughs> I guess I am up with my third pick. So yeah. I'm sticking with my magic theme. Um, I guess I'm going with. Hmm, I don't know where she would fall into this one. Wouldn't be the. I have more than one chick, but we'll say the chick here. So you obviously can't have a magic team without someone that ha- that uses her spells by speaking backwards. So I am going to take <laughs> Zatanna, um, who is an obvious choice here, and one of my actually favorite DC characters. Um, and she's a great she's a great batman sidekick like a great batman guest star and she i think she was in the animated series more than once yep yep twice i'm pretty sure yeah so i'm going to pick her to keep my magic theme going a lower level version but i think she's a good street level character to kind of round the team out Mm -hmm. zatanna's a good pick um like i said i think is it I think it's Paul Dini's favorite character too, but Paul Dini's got like a thing for the Zatanna. Like he married a stage magician that could be Zatanna. There's she would make a really great like pulp novel series character. Mm-hmm. You just got to walk the line between uh, like how powerful she is is or could be depending on whether or not she thinks of it. Yeah. Uh, but she's easy to neutralize, too, so you can kind of yeah. amp her up a bit. But she's easy yeah. to neutralize. Kind of a glass cannon character. Yeah, because all you got to do is cover her mouth and she's hosed. She's a normal person. Um, you, you knock her on the head and ain't nothing to be done about that. Yeah. But I think uh, I still think it's a good choice. I mean, it's a very versatile choice, kind of the way that Martian Manhunter was for me. That's the Zatanna is for you. It's a very, very versatile. Does that come to me? Yep, you're up for your next two. Okay, well, I, I'm of the opinion that the versatility of having a Green Lantern on your team is important because versatility is a big deal. But um, Matt got John Stewart before I could get to him, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to shift gears, and I'm going to go with someone who is very creative in his problem solving, like we already mentioned. I'm going to pick up Kyle Rayner. Hmm. Kyle's story is, uh, like you said, being an being a comic artist, he's very creative with what he does, uh, what he does, and how he gets around stuff. There is, um, oh, it's in the. Tr- I'm trying to remember the name of the trade. The American Dream. The attack by Asmodeus. What? (laughs) I know, right? Yeah, yeah, Daddy. The um, Asmodeus of the bull host of the Angels of Heaven uh, rolls in over San Francisco. And what they finally suss out is that there's a vibrational frequency that the angels use to make their, their corporeal bodies. And so... Kyle has this this section of the page where he's like, okay, 
I have to imagine a machine that's going to create the right kind of sound. And so that that's what he needed to go on is that I have to create a machine. So what he did is he created it was basically a great big tuning fork powered by a hamster wheel. So Flash hopped on it and ran to get it at the right frequency for it. That kind of problem solving is excellent. And then Kyle's personal arc, he is not the man without fear. He is the man overcoming his fear and continuing anyway. And the other thing about Kyle is if if you go through the whole War of Light and that sort of stuff, Kyle was the one who was uh, worthy to carry Ion for a while. He was worthy to carry every one of the Lantern Corps rings. He was the one who carried the White Lantern. Lantern. Yeah, for a while. Kyle, and then, you know... They just kind of like they're like, I don't want to do anything with Cal anymore. I'm done with this. And it's like what the Did you hate it all of those all of those like nineties legacy it, characters? Kyle was a great idea because it was a way of developing a new Green Lantern with new not only new strengths but new weaknesses of character and that sort of stuff. So I think Kyle is a is a great choice to add to my team. You know who I kind of ended up really coming to enjoy was the the Simon Baz Green Lantern before they got rid of him. You know I didn't get to read any Simon Baz because he kind of ends up just being like a dumbass that like <laughs> isn't creative with it and it's just like a blunt instrument to him. Like he was an in- and then there was um oh who was the who was the girl that he was in that book with? There was another uh, one that was like super had this like mental disorder that really like i think it was self-doubt or whatever she had super anxiety problems yeah that's right that's right like it was cranked all the way up and that's to be honest with you that's fascinating i had this conversation with somebody at a convention once she was telling me she's like no i i said now look there's a lot of green lantern choices and i'm not sure which one you're going for she tells me i'm going for this one she said because this character's got super anxiety issues and so do i but with this particular costume, I, with this character I identify with, I feel much more confident. I'm like, that's fantastic. The other thing I love about it is that what they're doing, what they did is, they're like, we want to have a character that explores this stuff right here, but we want to tie it in with something pre-existing. So they made a new character to have a, a different Green Lantern ring, as opposed to just suddenly like diagnosing Kyle with an anxiety disorder that he never had before. So changing an established character like that. I love that. I love the fact that they did that to explore it. There should be more of that sort of thing. All right. You again. Snaking draft. Yep. You again. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm actually, I'm picking a backup heavy hitter who is also someone who, the more I look at this, I was going to say is the heart of the team, but the more I look at this is actually kind of fitting in with the idealistic slant or the um, the good-hearted nature that my yeah go figure right that my team is is kind of putting together. Uh, this is a speedster, but not just a speedster, a actually. Uh, super uh, speed force character who is also super strong and super tough, which means I'm pulling Liberty Bell out of the Justice Society. Interesting. Now, are um, you using are you using the um, Jesse Quick? 
the Jesse Quick persona or the Liberty Bell persona? Because I do I mean, not believe the Liberty Bell pre- the Liberty Bell persona calls on a different power. She does not use the equation. Except she can. Okay. See, here's the thing. There is I'd have to go dig it out of which trade it's in, but there is a it was just a one issue story where she goes in, she's as Liberty Bell at the time, because yes, yeah, she lost access to the speed force for a little bit. Um, well, did, did it, Johnny did it Quick ever, had the formula. Did it ever, did it ever, um, establish, do the Quicks actually have access to the speed force or? They do. They didn't think they did. Okay. Johnny discovered the formula that he thought just granted him super speed. And he didn't think it was tied to the speed force. As it turned out, the formula that he, he figured granted him access to the speed force. He didn't realize that's what was happening. Um, and God, so you're making me want to reread Mark Wade um, Flash because all I'm thinking about now is how I haven't seen Max Mercury in a comic in a long time, and it makes me yeah. a sad panda. Yes. Um, there, there's this single issue where um, Doctor Zoom, Professor Zoom, has been historically screwing with damage, and damage actually has Zoom pinned down somewhere, and they're like, "What are we going to do?" And Jesse's like. I, I can she's with Rick, her husband, Rick Tyler, who's the second hour man. She's like, I can take care of this. And he's like, Jesse, it's it's Zoom. You aren't Jesse Quick anymore. And she's like, don't worry, I'll take care. Of it. And she goes in and talk to him and damage has Zoom in this headlock. And anytime Zoom starts to speed up, damage siphons the energy from it. And that that makes it closer and closer to the more Zoom tries to escape, the more. Uh, energy builds up and damage just blow both of them apart, right? And she starts talking to him about it. And this is after Damage's face has been all screwed up and that sort of stuff. What happened was that there was a period of time where Jesse, like her, Johnny Quick rode her mercilessly to get her to be able to tap into the Speed Force. Like, damn near abusive about it. There's a line in there where um, like her mom is saying to him, she's like, you know, why do you keep pushing her like this? He goes, I want her to be someone special. And Jesse's standing right there looking at him and he goes, Oh God, I didn't mean I, you are, but I didn't like this whole breakdown. Right. As it turns out after being Liberty Bell for a while and she and Rick get married and she, you know, kind of sorts through who she is and that sort of stuff. She reacquires access to the speed force. So she's tough, strong and super speed. And um, I, I just I really enjoy that as as Justice JSA went on, the problem was there were so many people on the team that you couldn't do as much deep character diving as you could prior. Um, and so Jesse and Rick kind of just got shunted into the the lovebird category when you see him but uh i think it's a fascinating character and very useful to have on the team and all that kind of stuff you know speaking of rick our man has really underrated three great representations with the rick version the original version and the android version you are absolutely right i forgot about the android version oh it's so good yeah he because he gets a he gets a spinoff at some point he has that and um Wow, I forgot about that. And it ties back into the end of Zero Hour. Oh, it's so good. I, yeah. Wasn't the Android version created by Grant Morrison? 
Oh, I need to look it up. I think he was. But, you know, the the Android Time Traveler version um, is just... Uh, the third hour man was an android who named himself Tyler. Um, after Rick and Rex Tyler. So... Uh, far in the future, far, far in the future, thousands of years from now after the quickening. Um, so he's uh, just, just fascinating. Um, they, they all are, but there's a whole tie-in with the fact that the Android one um, creates the the uh, the time point that Rex gets to hang out in, and that plays in with this big story with Rick and all that kind of. It's it's really good. Yeah. So I guess, so... I guess I'm up for my fourth pick. Yeah, fourth pick. Yes, yes so you are. I'm still going with the five-man band formula here. So I need my mm-hmm. smart guy. Um, okay. Well, so I'm going to take a smart animal, not a smart guy. <laughs> okay. um, kind of an alcoholic and a barfly. He's going to do yeah. it! I'm going to take Det- Detective Chimp with my fourth <laughs> pick. Um, he's almost an Easter egg. Like you could read a lot of stuff without ever encountering him. I think his best story is probably Shadow Pact. Yes. And um, the yes. current Justice League Dark that just ended. Um, mm-hmm. that deals with them like in the I don't remember the name of the bar. Oh God! Now you said that and Shadow Pact. Because in the current Justice League Dark, he has the sword from is it Nightmaster? Yeah, Nightmaster. Yeah, he has Jim the sword Rook, the there, and he takes care of, like, that realm. Um, but Oblivion Bar. Yeah, the Oblivion Bar. So that's kind of where he hangs out now. Um, I just love the character. He's absurd, but he there's a, there's a, there's a certain depth to him, though, that um, you can really dig into if you get the right issues that other characters don't have, because he's a really kind of sad depressed little man mm-hmm. um, i love how simple his backstory is too it, it a chimp that found the fountain of youth and it granted him not only you know uh, he wasn't going to age him, but granted him sentience and he turned out to be really smart but then he couldn't run his business because he couldn't sue for non-payment of bills yeah <laughs> i think the first place i encountered him was in Wally West Flash, I think okay. is where I first saw him. Because I think I don't remember what the what the issues were though. Hey Brad. Yeah. I just looked it up. Oblivion Bar. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oblivion Bar. So he's going to be my smart guy. Um, okay. So I will hand it over to Matt for his next two picks. <laughs> I am uh, super excited because the two picks that I wanted to add actually. I'm going to get it because you guys did not pick them. Okay. Um, again, the last two in the five man band that I need to choose are the big guy who's, you know, like the strong man of the team mm-hmm. and the chick, which, uh, obviously we're not trying to be like sexist here, but, uh, I do think that's yeah, the a, name trope, of a trope. And yeah. I, and, and I actually do feel like I should include a couple females in this. So I have a couple that, that I've, I've, listed that I want to include in my 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 seven maximum um but for my for my big guy uh I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a character from the magic realm 
so I don't know if you had him on your list, Brad, but I'm taking him anyway. Uh, Etrigan, the demon. No, if Ooh. if one of you, if I had not gotten fate, Etrigan would have been my my backup because I feel like mm-hmm. I feel like um, Doctor Fate is your obvious master of the occult, knows everything, mm-hmm. but Etrigan is an underrated resource of um of um occult knowledge mm-hmm. yeah uh but also obviously very in his demon form obviously very very powerful um really resistant to damage um superhumanly strong has uh even like i feel like they've they i don't i don't know if in all media they've really hyped this up but uh skilled hand-to-hand combatant skilled swordsman um can shoot hellfire he's yeah. a fairly yeah. high ranked demon because his rhyming mm-hmm. has to do with his rank in hell yeah um i think that would, he'd be a really fun as a as the strong guy um sometimes strong guys are presented as dumb he's not he's not dumb um and certainly when no. when he reverts to jason blood it's uh it's a different story he's obviously very very intelligent but um i think that in this in this team could be really fun uh you could have you could have batman try and uh try and keep etrigan in line <laughs> and and i think like you could you could you could book some really interesting scenarios between like etrigan and john stewart and etrigan and green arrow so etrigan uh, himself is not dumb he just doesn't care that yeah that's the best way to put it he's not a, he's not he doesn't fit like the the he's not dumb grim guy rock. part. Yeah, he's, he doesn't fit the drum, the dumb aspect of the the strong guy trope that sometimes gets played up. But um, I do think he would work as like a bruiser, so that's why I picked him for my my strong guy. Okay. And then for my my quote unquote chick, um, I'm actually picking uh, someone who I think could would really in many ways be the physical powerhouse of the team. Uh-huh. I'm actually going to go to uh, I guess she's been part of the Justice League. I think, um, but also to me more more for the just society because I remember reading her a lot in that. But I'm gonna go and pick Power Girl. Power Girl as my quote unquote Fun. chick. Power Girl who is technically a Kryptonian. I I like that choice yes. because I think she's a more interesting character than um, Wonder Woman is. Yeah, I mean, obviously Wonder Woman is still on the board. Uh, I could have picked her, I guess, but I felt that uh, Power Girl has is obviously incredibly powerful, so she could she could fit a lot of roles there. Uh, but I do think that she's more almost like untapped. Like she's really an interesting character that hasn't really been explored that much. I think I felt like they actually started to do it a lot in the when she was in Justice Society, but even then, maybe not entirely. They did, and then they also had this. Uh, oh, it was great in the um, in the lead up to uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. She had a miniseries, and mm-hmm. uh, she okay. It was pretty well established. She's like, okay, I have this secret identity that I don't do anything with because she did. She really didn't want to, but what she uh, at some point. It broke into the fact, first of all, that she was um, she had a lot of bluster and bravado because she felt very insecure and alone. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is, like, 
And finally, at some point, someone asked her, like, what's the deal with costume? And she goes, well, some people think I do it to be a distraction. Or I'm not trying to be lewd. But she said, I never found a symbol that fit me. And that's what I was going to put there. Like, she didn't feel worthy of wearing the Superman symbol. But she never could come up with one that fit for her. And so she didn't have it there uh, on her on her costume. Mm. And if you've never read that miniseries, it's really, really good. You, you should find it. Um, she you know, she went through a whole bunch of like, you know, what is what's the nature of who I am? and Where does it come from? And is it tied to Atlantis or is it tied to this or that? And it, that's answered in, in Christ on Infinite Earths too. It's it's just and and in Justice Society they play with it as well. It's, I, I agree. She is a great character and mm-hmm. uh, she's been victimized heavily. She's been victimized heavily by DC not being able to keep a coherent narrative for the last fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like every artist and writer comes in now if they if they get to use her and they're too busy covering her cleavage up to actually deal with her as a character. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Brad, she, one um... other thing. You mentioned that uh, Jay Garrick ran Billy off from Courtney and JSA. Uh, Power Girl was part of that, too. Okay. I've forgotten about mm. that. Uh, did Power Girl start off as a Earth 2 character? I'm kind of yes, forgetting my... she did. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. She started out um, in the 70s, I believe. And then I yeah, think she I felt... was I think where she really got prominence was um was it Infinity Inc? Was she in Infinity Inc? Oh, I feel like I I barely remember that. That was that like eighties? Yeah, that's like where Todd McFarlane got his start as an artist. Hmm. I think she was in Infinity Inc. Let me look that up. I think you're right. She was in the she was in Justice League International. Um, okay. I don't think she was in Justice League proper. I think she was in the International and then moved on to Justice Society. Um, uh, I'm looking at a founding member of Infinity Inc. Okay. Appearing in each of the first 12 issues. That's what I thought. Uh, yeah, I think she's a good pick for, for my team because uh, if, you, if you're not going to go, I you want like a Superman type that'd be really powerful, but I kind of I don't I don't like picking Superman. That's a, kind of an obvious pick, and I didn't want another character that could effectively be the leader. She fits uh, Batman and, and Green Arrow's dynamic better too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. She very blunt, straightforward characterization, which I think would work. Being a wrecking ball through the middle of all this intrigue that you have going with your team would be a fun thing to have. Yeah, and, she, and I think I think your team has a, a certain bite to it and she's kind of at times got the um got the demeanor of a rabid weasel mm-hmm. so i think that fits that team better because her power yeah her being a little power girl is works, a honey badger yeah it, it works a little better with it being a little with her being a little more bristly mm-hmm. so i guess i'm up for my fifth pick so I need my I need my bruiser. I don't have anyone that can physically um, kind of go at anyone. And when you're dealing with a magical team, it's a little hard to get a bruiser that's also into magic. That hasn't already been picked. 
Yeah, yeah. so um, I'm going to go, I'm going to tap the Marvel family. And originally I was going to mm. take Freddy, but I was like, you know what? Like, I I don't want to do like the token five guys and a chick thing. Um, and I actually think Mary's more interesting than Freddy on a base level. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take Mary Marvel as my bruiser slash flyer slash tank. Flying brick. Yeah. So she is going to round that out. And she is magical because, you know, Shazam's magical. Yep. So. I think that Mary's a great choice. Mary's got a lot of character, too. If if anybody in the Marvel family, of, of the people in the Marvel family that probably have the least character, it's probably Freddy. Um, at least uh, pre-New 52. You know, eh, he's still old. He's still old. They use him for, like, if they want to use Captain, if they want to use a, a Captain, Mar- like a Marvel and like something that's grim drack and they don't want to deal with Mary and Billy's um, optimism, they take Freddy because he's more of a blank slate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, I, Mary's a great choice. I like Mary a lot. If only Darkseid wouldn't sit on her couch. So, Shad, you're up for picks five and six. Yeah, so for my fifth pick, I realized, like, you know, I don't have a tech person. I don't have a tech guy. Um, and this being me, I didn't kind of realize it uh, until a bit later on. I have a team that's full of a lot of the um, the good-hearted, the... the Kind of the inverse of, of what um, Matt's building is, you know, the, I guess, probably shiny, happier team. Um, and so what ended up being my tech pick was someone who, in his introduction, was the only person in this group that was upfront about what he was doing and then stated to be worthy of what he was doing. And so the, in the introduction of this character in the reign of the Superman, I'm picking up John Henry irons steel. I wonder if someone's going to take him because he's of our, he's of our collective era where we were all super into comics. Mm. He is first, you know, he, he's kind of fitting the good hearted motif I've got going on. He's fantastic uh tech guy to have around it's also nice whenever your tech guy can can like throw down like a champ so um yeah gonna have steel in that spot that's a good pick yeah i I contemplated i contemplated having him as my strong guy even though he's not um obviously a dumb character who that which is sometimes part of that trope i also Mm -hmm. contemplated having him as like my smart guy too Mm mm-hmm you know that well, you got that so that's 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 his coverage you can get for you. You know that yeah. of Superman really gave us some good characters because we got him, we got Connor Superboy, and we got Cyborg Superman. Yeah, it was the one that didn't catch on. There was another one, the Eradicator. Oh yeah, he was like the dud. He he well he was kind of already established and people picked up on that pretty quick. Um, I mean Superboy was douchey when he started out, but they kind of fixed him up. Yeah, by the time you got to Crisis on Infinite Earths, I really liked Connor Kent. Connor yeah, Kent was a character I really enjoyed. The, the 
the Team Titans run by Jeff Johns really does good stuff with him. Mm-hmm. And and I like that they built his relationship up with Cassie Sandmark slowly. Um, it didn't go too fast. And I liked Young Justice was a comedy book, but it really there's a certain bond that Tim Drake, Bart Allen, and Connor have that's, that's special, true. I think, in DC. That's very true. All right. For number six, I decided that I needed um, someone who could fill the role of a specialist. Because uh, I look at this, I've got a lot of really good general purpose people, but you know, you look around and you say, you got to assume that most of your stories are probably going to take place on Earth. And when you look and you say most of this is going to take place on Earth, that means that you've got a big section of the planet that doesn't get utilized a whole lot because, well... Most people didn't want to write for Aquaman. And I'm not pulling Aquaman either, but for my team, I'm going to pull his wife, Mira, Mm. with the water control aspect, which I (laughs) think just has so many possibilities. Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That's a pick I would have not expected at all. (laughs) I was trying to think if you're going for like the current Aqualad or if you're going for Tempest. Um, I would not have pulled her. I would not have thought of her, even though I like her. I just didn't think of her as a sure. pick. I, I know that it was. It's 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 not a standard pick whenever you're getting into the the Aquaman uh, collective. But I've you know Aquaman and Aqualad, those are kind of you know stand up and brawl brick characters, and I've got that. I've got three four people that that could do that i needed someone who was capable of doing something else and that's that's why i picked her that's a good pick that's a different pick i think i think that's a good pick i I was kind of proud of coming up with that one to be honest with you so i'm up for my sixth pick so i'm actually going to pick my reservist here i'm going to pick my first reservist because i don't think he would he's not good in every situation but i think if you're doing a magical team you need you need a guy with his kind of connections because um when you think when you think magic you need to be in tune with nature so i'm gonna pull in the alec holland swamp thing as a reservist here wow you got a really heavy magic team here it's all magic I made sure that they had connections to magic before I I put them on my list. Swamp Thing is, I mean, he's actually a heavy hitter. He actually, yeah. When I think about it, like he's a, you almost would need him to be a reservist just to. I don't want to say nerf him. Otherwise, putting on your main roster, like your main roster, would be like pretty impressive. Yeah. It's it's, I, I like. Um, the reserve uh, I like the magic uh, bend to it. I, I tend to I tend to dig on the concept of exploring the magic aspect of a lot of um, superhero universes and such because there's usually in some fashion or another there's kind of an internal logic structure to it that kind of dictates why uh, what you do is the way you do it and that sort of stuff and um so I'm digging on your, I guess, Justice League Arcane. Um, I think it's, and I think Swamp Thing's definitely, you, there's a lot of stuff to explore. Definitely. 
great run by with by Alan Moore too. Yeah. Read it. Mm-hmm. So Matt, you're up for your sixth and seventh picks. Yeah, I'm not. We could have up to nine, right? We could have. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. So my two picks here are not going to be reservists. I have two really off the wall picks for reservists. So I'm. Uh, Mossy I'm minnow. <laughs> Ambush bug. <laughs> um, I'm gonna hold off on those. Uh, okay. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with two characters. One's just gonna be pretty conventional. Um, mm-hmm. uh, perennial. I'm gonna go a perennial Justice League member. One of the big ones. I'm gonna pick a Flash. Okay. And I'm gonna go with a Wally West version of Flash. That's the because... only Flash, in my opinion. Barry Allen's too boring. Uh, I kind of agree with you, but I also feel like I am biased because um, the the Flash the the Flash because he he did have a murderer's row. I mean, he went from Mark Wade to yeah. Grant Morrison to to Jeff yeah. Johns. But I I have to say though, <clears throat> they brought Barry Allen back, and yeah, they they keep bringing him back. And he was not he was not that interesting. Um, yeah, and they they finally once they got rid of Didio, surprise Wally West has the Flash book again, and it's more interesting mm-hmm. because you know he has a family and stuff. But I think I think why Wally is more interesting is because he's kind of a dick. And if but the, but I think but I think we are biased because we got to see him grow from being kind of a you know a jerk face into like a family man with kids and stuff. So. He kind of grew with us. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think it is a bias, but I, I do think he's a better character. It's the way a lot of um, uh, I, a lot of people that are kind of in our age bracket are, are very much Harry Potter fans is because that series grew up. They grew up alongside that series. Uh, you, mean, you, get, you mean Harry like, Potter that she obviously ripped off horribly from um, Neil Gaiman's Book of Magic, yeah. even down to the lightning uh, bolt on his head. Yeah, she did actually. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not hating on her. It's, it's I a, wasn't like, going to dig into it because, frankly, I've never read them. Um, no, if you if you just I'm, pull up a picture, if you just pull up a picture of the character from Book of Magic, he's Harry Potter. Okay. Like down, I showed my I just showed my wife a random picture of like. She's like, oh yeah, that's definitely what they based Harry Potter on. See, I, I'm not I'm not read Harry Potter because when Harry Potter came out, I was I was reading Wheel of Time and that that took my spare reading time up. But knowing what I've heard about it now, my problem is that I would recognize pre-existing uh, magical. Uh, story tropes that are renamed to something else, and I would be so annoyed by it that I, I wouldn't give it a fair choice. She, she, where where she really excels is painting a picture. Okay. And that's really where that's really where the movies excelled. Is you read these books and you had like a visual image that she painted for you, but then these movies came along and everything looked like you imagined it. Mm-hmm. And um, she's good at that, and she she created a really fun world. But her flaws were kind of when she tried to serious it up as it went along. 
Okay. And that's kind of where she fell apart. But she, for like a light, fluffy read, the early couple of books are really good and fun. My my problem is like you know horror cruxes are um, phylacteries, and you're never going to convince me otherwise. And I'm going to be annoyed that something that's preexisted is getting relabeled and used like that. And that's I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I just know me, and that's what would happen. Mm-hmm. I actually uh, unironically like the Harry Potter books, but. That's me. Like I, they're not. That's cool. I feel. I feel millennials have gotten so annoying. It's become almost like a trope in and of itself. Where it's like they 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 have to reference Harry Potter so much. It's like, oh my god, read another damn book, please. Yeah. Like any any other book. It's the same way with with the. Uh, I guess and again, we're not a political show. We don't hate upon politics. We don't discuss politics. No, we hate uh, everyone but, equally. <laughs> that's right. That, well, that's that's the reason partly why we don't talk about politics is because we actually are our politics are are kind of middle of the road. It's like we actually can hate both political ideologies in America, which doesn't doesn't win you any. It just pisses everyone. No, off. you got it because no, because I don't like talking about it, because if if I post anything political like on Reddit, I get it from I literally get. Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians bitching at me all at the same time. Yes, that's that's kind of where we actually are at politically. It's like we we can call out both sides, but that that helps no one because we just wind up pissing everyone off. It's like we can if we talk about one thing, oh, we're not we're not progressive enough for some people, or we're too progressive for other people. It's like goodness. But anyway, um, it's kind of like with a certain amount of progressive people now. It's like, oh my god, not everything is like fucking Handmaid's Tale. Come on. Yeah. It's not like Handmaid's Tale. Watch another Amazon show, okay? Please. Yeah. There's other good ones out there. Ugh. Um I like, or I like it's the, it was Game of Thrones a couple of years ago. It was like read a different fantasy book for the love yeah, of God. Watch another HBO show. Yeah. Uh but I like I like I like the Harry Potter books. I know it is that even controversial to say because I know she's had she's said a lot of but it's perceived as anti-trans. She said things. a lot of dumb shit over the years. Because I, like, I'm not wading into that. Like that's that, her opinions are yeah. her opinions. I she, just think like the, the actual source material of the book is is good. My my it's, only problem with her has ever been taking out her recent statements. But I always hated her trying to score brownie points for things that were obviously she never had the the courage to write into the literature. It's that's so. fair that that was kind of ridiculous it's like she she publishes all the books and afterwards it's like oh by the way dumbledore's gay it's like what okay i mean i think there's i, don't care. I think I'm there's hints the problem is i think i think people have said she wrote hints into the literature but sometimes i think people read too much into things and if yeah. i in in through reading her like she never has a deeper meaning to anything everything's pretty surface level when she writes so mm-hmm. um I don't know if she threw it, you know, threw those little side things in there or not, but I, yeah, that, that always just annoyed me with her because it's just like, if you want credit for it, you need to actually, actually put it in there. Yeah. Uh, I think I got distracted from, all right, I picked Flash. Yeah, yeah. you picked Wally. He was. was, he was my number six. My number seven, I'm actually going to go back to a just, uh, Justice Society member. 
but I'm going to pick Stargirl. That's Ooh. a great pick. I love Stargirl. Yeah, because I felt like my list needed uh, another female, because I think that's fair. And I felt like just uh, Stargirl was actually a super a super strong character uh, in reading the, the Jeff Johns um, version. I mean, you would hope, because he originated the character, and she's kind of based on his his late sister but yeah yeah um i felt they did a ton with her they i felt as a this is one of this one of the highest compliments i can actually say to a character uh is that she actually had a lot of growth and yes that's a lot of things that sometimes it's now it, it is hard to do sometimes in in something like comic books because some characters are literally decades old and a writer may come in and they may have high aspirations like i'm gonna do a different take on this character and it's like your take has probably already been done in yeah. the decades that this character has been written uh mm. it's easier to do when it, with a character you have originated i understand but even so uh it it really is fantastic that he has this character and she actually progresses over the span of time um and i feel like she's still i i don't think she's fallen into the pit that some of the characters have in terms of like how she's been just poorly represented um, since he was writing that book but uh, I felt like she's a really interesting character a strong character I feel and the the dynamic of the team I'm creating like she could obviously uh, pair well with with Power Girl and I could even see someone like like Batman working almost like a mentor to her to try and make her the best uh, version of herself as a superhero she also injects a little ray of light um Mm-hmm. with a lot of the people you have in your group and, and you kind of need that like yeah you, you can't have you know we're not we're not in the iron age of comics anymore yeah uh i actually feel really bad about myself because i had i had the dc uh app for like a year <laughs> and i never watched the star girl uh show it's on hbo i need to watch it so really it's on hbo yeah. yeah, all that stuff moved over to HBO. I oh, man, no, first... I, I have HBO Max. I can watch that then. Yeah. I watched the first few seasons of it. Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the uh, the first few that I watched, they're actually, I mean, you, you got to accept that you're you're looking at uh, a WB show. Okay. Once, you, once you're like, okay, there's some stuff I'm going to get in that. Um. But it's it's good. Like the mm-hmm. the characters make sense. Nothing feels overly forced. Um, and and she has actually kind of a getting to her being, uh, you know, being Star Girl, not just being Courtney, but being Star Girl. She has a growth and a progression to get there. So mm-hmm. it it's it's good. It's re- it's really good. You've seen it. I've seen the first few episodes of it, yeah. Mm. I think it follows the comic, her solo comic. Oh, I'm looking this up. It's actually, it's been renewed for a second season, which has yet to debut. Yes. And it looks like it's also been renewed for a third season. So I need to actually get on this. Yeah, I also need to watch Doom Patrol that has Brendan Fraser in it. Uh, I've heard I've heard a lot of good things about that, but I have not watched that either. Yeah, I've watched the first six episodes of that, uh-huh. and it is it is good. Brendan Fraser is 
excellent in it. I've heard that too, and I'm actually really happy because uh, I mean, a lot of people actually have uh, expressed affection for for Brendan Fraser. If you actually look like study the guy's real life, like he's had some uh, some heartbreaks, so he's kind of going through like a career resurgence, and yeah. I am very happy about that because he seems like he's a he's a good guy. Yeah, I've read read and listened to a number of interviews with him, and um, he was on uh, Real Friends Fake Doctors with Zach Braff and Donald Faison. They mm-hmm. could they could not talk nicely enough about. It. They said all of this stuff about him. We think you know he's so great and everything. And and they said you guys don't understand. We're only kind of scratching the surface on this. Uh, and whenever they had him on, he was uh, gosh, he was just great. Like. When he was on Scrubs, he, he's a great character. Like, I think he's a great actor. I thought he was a fantastic action lead in The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the Mummy Returns just sucks the whole way around, so we'll just set that aside. But it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, he comes on a super good guy, and he does a great job um, in Doom Patrol. So it's my seventh pick, correct? Uh, yeah, where do you? Okay, so um, I want a multifaceted character there. And I discussed with Shad, and we agreed that her power base is magical. Okay. Whether the comics touch on it or not, but I'm going to take Vixen with my seventh pick. Vixen. Mm, good pick. Highly... I feel like she is a, a horribly underutilized character in the comics. I feel like... About every once every decade or so, they make a concerted effort to do something with her, and then she kind of like disappears for another decade. And it always makes me sad because she's a fun, interesting character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vixen's a fun character, and the um, the best that I remember Vixen getting, like the best best treatment I remember her getting, was Justice League Unlimited again. Um, she didn't have a lot going on there but i thought that she was uh i thought she was great to have um she's a great character for them to have i think she showed up on brave and the bold once or twice too okay so shad you're up for your seventh and eighth picks all right so this is going to round out my main roster and then it's going to be my first reservist pick so uh, my last pick on the main roster is I was I wanted someone who's got because um, if you're going to have a superhero group, the superhero group needs to have uh, you're going to you're going to end up having to have interactions with other people, you know, you're, with other groups and that sort of stuff. And I was like, I need someone who is going to be the network person for it. It doesn't, well, it, it, which will make sense, but uh, that's why I'm going to pull in Nightwing here. Um, mm, good pick. You can't go wrong with a Batman family pick. No. It, it, I, I, there was a lot of debate about whether or not I was going to pick uh, Dick Grayson or Tim Drake here. But, and again, I'm going to reference Crisis on Infinite Earths because, uh, I don't know, it, it just it, it encapsulates what I was talking about very well. Everybody, all of the heroes in the DC universe know and have a good opinion of Dick Grayson 
even if they hate Batman. And so that means that you've got an end for working with about anybody. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's just, uh, you know, having someone who's got a tie to Batman sure can't hurt for, for, you know, comic sales either. <laughs> um, so that's my seventh main roster pick. Which means that now I'm going to dig into my first reservist. And what I'm looking for here is... Honestly, um, I wanted to touch on the magical realm a little bit again. Yeah, uh, Billy Batson ties in with the Marvel family, with the Wizard, with the Rock of Eternity. I would put him on, in terms of, of magic knowledge, he's way up there or he's got access to it. But I wanted someone who was, first of all... Um, a little more familiar and then second i wanted to play with something a little bit different so i pulled one of my favorite lesser known characters and that's where zariel the angel comes in oh he was on my short list oh sorry dude wait i'm sorry i was i was distracted what did you say who did you say zariel the angel oh wow that's that's pulling back that's like a that's like a deep cut that's yeah grant morrison J- jla shadow pact yeah, he was introduced in the uh, the American Dream trade I mentioned earlier. Um, he was a member of the Eagle Host of Angels, and uh, he's instrumental in the fight against uh, Asmodeus when Asmodeus comes in and, and busts up uh, San Francisco, I think it is. So, yeah, Zariel, um, I like the guy. Uh, I like the character a lot. They don't do a whole lot with him, but uh, I'm really a fan of him. So it's my turn, is it? Mm-hmm. So I am going to go... I think I'm going to go... He's going to be a main roster, and I'll keep my reservist for my last pick. So I'm going to take Dead Man as my eighth pick. Dead Man! Just because I, I absolutely love Dead Man. <laughs> Did you say he was a reservist or main? No, my other one's going to be my reservist. I, I was hemming and hawing about making Dead Man a reservist, but I think I'm going to actually keep him on my main roster. Gotcha. He's an, I think he's an, is he um, a Neil Adams creation? I'm not sure. I, I remember the character super well, but it, it's hard for me to... So if anyone doesn't know Dead Man is, because he is kind of obscure, he he's he's a ghost that can possess people is essentially mm-hmm. like what he boils down to. Yep. Uh, first appeared in 1967, uh, initially written by Arnold Drake. No idea who that is. Uh. Tied, who was tied in with the Doom Patrol. Okay. And they, they got replaced by Jack Miller and Neil Adams. Okay, yeah. So. I know Neil Adams comes back every now and then and like we'll do a mini for him every couple okay. of years. He got to have a fun run with the, the White Lantern stuff too, so. Yeah, and he's a good, he's a good like Batman guest star. Mm-hmm. I always think him and Batman together are fun. Because he's the one that figures out uh, whenever Dead Man's around. Because he'll be like, someone's not acting right. 
yeah. Boston, is that you? And he's like, ah, you got me, Bats. Yeah. So then, Matt, you're up for your last two picks, your reservists. These are my reservists, and I'm actually going to go, like, <laughs> really off the wall here. Um, they're reservists because they would be uh, kind of hard to manage for a bat, even Batman. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to go uh, an actual – I guess he's been roped into the kind of the Batman – not the Batman family, but he's he's most closely associated, I feel, with Batman. Okay. Um, and he's an oddball character. He's not. He's used a little bit. He's been used kind of some in the uh, in the cartoons, not really so much uh, elsewhere. But he's a personal favorite of mine for whatever reason. But the creeper. The oh creeper. yeah. The, the creeper. <laughs> um, and he, I guess there's been different versions of him. It's kind of it's difficult to say exactly if he's you know magical or. Uh, his powers were kind of uh, science related, but I see him as kind uh, of magical because I think the best version of him is like where his alter ego is kind of like a muckraking TV personality. Yes. Jack Knight, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Jack Ryder. He's kind of like, if if you want to see a seventies persona, he's kind of almost like a prototypical Rush Limbaugh. If like okay. you wanted kind of like an idea of what he was like, or like um um who was the guy that had like the super popular talk show in like the eighties that was like the prototype for like the trash. Orton Downey Jr. Yeah, Bill like kind of like that. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like that. Uh, kind of like tabloid, kind of like sleazeball. Blowhard. I guess. In, I yeah. I guess in some versions he's he, I think maybe they've kind of given him like a, a right wing. But not even so much. Um, I just find him an interesting character because him as a superhero, it's it's almost like what if the Joker was actually a good guy? Yeah. Um, he's just presented as like crazy and like off the wall, but um, heroic, and he actually does have superpowers. He's superhuman strength. He has superhuman healing to the point where he's he's pretty. He can take a lot of damage, um, and. I don't know why they've associated him more with with Batman, but it's I actually kind of like. He's the a pairing. good foil. We we sussed out. He's yeah. a he's a Steve Ditko creation, isn't he? Yes, he is. Okay. He was created. He was he was co-created by Steve Ditko. So, uh, I just I've always liked the character. So him having him as part of like a, a Justice League, uh, would be interesting. Again, as a reservist, he'd be a guy that maybe Batman brings in for if he needs someone that's kind of like off the wall, but. Could could definitely like serve up some some assistance there, and then I'm gonna choose for my final pick a guy who is kind of in the same way like a guy that Batman. I think the dynamic would be like Batman's really gonna have to like kind of keep him in line and try and focus him on uh, on whatever assignment or, or goal that he's trying to accomplish. A guy who the thing that I really find un, I I think is underappreciated about him, but Batman I think it even in one at least in one comic presented him as potentially the most dangerous uh, superpowered person on the planet, or at least that people don't really realize plastic man, plastic man, plastic man. I actually, maybe that's, I, I get kind of fixated about certain things, but when I read that in a comic and I feel like it was a comic within like the last like 20 years, but it, he was present Batman made a, like a throwaway comment where it's like, you, you guys are underestimating him. You have no idea how incredibly 
dangerous that he is if you know he wasn't just like essentially like a happy kind of like a, a almost like a comic he's presented more like comic relief but yeah if he wasn't as <laughs> nutballs crazy as he was i think batman said he's potentially the most powerful of us here yes because he has he has he they kind of they're they're good about presenting him more as like he's limited by his own kind of like goofball nature and the comedic relief that they put him in but i mean he is a shapeshifter he is invulnerable he is effectively immortal he he can have superhuman strength and superhuman agility when he wants to have it like he is effectively indestructible like he um i think that there's even been hasn't there even been like a storyline or two where he's gone evil rogue i think that's more like an elseworld story it's not like in tower of of Mm -hmm. babel he was like the one that really couldn't let it go what batman did to them because he was the deciding Mm -hmm. vote to get rid of Mm -hmm. batman Mm -hmm. you could tell it really bothered him what happened i don't Mm -hmm. remember what bats did to him no i don't either Uh, it wasn't pretty i know that well, no, none of them were. I haven't read Tower of Babel in like twenty years, and they didn't put yeah. him in the the movie because why would they? Yeah, yeah. But he's also he's not a DC creation either. No, no. wasn't he? Was he was he a Fawcett creation, or am I thinking of a different company? He was either Fawcett or Carlton. I think he was Carlton. I think so too. Because when he, when he had his cartoon series, I don't think he was a DC property at the time. Oh, uh, oh, uh, uh, not even those quality comics. Well, okay. okay. Who, uh, looking that up, was responsible for the Spirit and also uh, the Blackhawk characters. Who I know oh, the Black okay. the Blackhawk characters are actually part of the DC proper. Is the Spirit yes. part of the DC proper? I don't. He's become, yeah, he's done some stuff with Batman, but they really just do him as a side thing. He wouldn't show up in books. They okay. try to at least do a quality book of him because the spirit mm-hmm. wasn't really a comic book when Will Eisner was doing it. It was a newspaper mm-hmm. strip. Mm. Okay. By the way, Plastic Man was frozen in liquid nitrogen in Tower of Babel. Okay. Oh, uh, oh looking it up, there are... S- the freedom fighters, like a lot of those characters, are were yeah. apparently quality, like the human bomb, um, Uncle Sam, Invisible, yeah, Sam. Or Phantom Lass. I actually, uh, I actually like uh, the freedom fighters characters. Those are kind of like a, I'll say like a guilty pleasure, but they kind of like a, I like those characters because they're, they're they're kind of like forgotten, except yeah. I think they did bring them back. In was it the new fit? Was it? Were they part of Infinite Crisis? Or yeah, they've yeah. been around. And they, oh yeah, they were. They, but I mean, they had awesome. like a more prominent role. I felt. Yeah, they did. And yeah, the Ray was in Justice League of America. Like that was Batman's yeah. team. They just did a a Ray movie, but they didn't put Uncle Sam or the Human Bomb in it because you know everything has to be politically correct now, which just was a bummer. The um, they and the show up kind of crappy too. Freedom fighters show up in Justice Society. Uh, Black Condor is with them as well. And um, they were in um, Crisis on Infinite Earths too. Yes, Crisis on Infinite. Earth. They were uh, super important. In, well, one of them was in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now that was after a team that it, 
Deathstroke, Bizarro, Black Adam, Sinestro, and somebody else I'm forgetting jumped the Freedom Fighters because they were after the race specifically and killed every tried to kill everybody else. Um, they couldn't keep Uncle Sam dead, but the Freedom Fighters are also a, a big favorite of Alex Ross's. Mm-hmm. Uh, he loves doing Freedom Fighter stuff. They try to and, do stuff with the Ray. I know. I know they tried to do a little bit with the Ray recently. Yeah, yeah. So that's 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 a fun pick because it's someone that you can have. Um, you have a lot of levity, and or you could you could take it in another direction. Um, and 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 like delve into some more intense stuff with class. Yeah. So. <clears throat> that's that's a that's a fun choice. So for my last pick, I'm going to take my last reservist. Um, this is going to be a pretty obscure one, but I'm going to keep with the magic theme that I've kept through this whole thing, and I'm going to take Blue Devil as my last reservist. Blue Devil. Uh, good choice. He he was uh he was kind of on my list as a as an alternate. Maybe if you guys had picked one of my other picks, like like Etrigan, he might he may have actually made my list. He's a fun character, though, because he has the trident that he got from Lucifer eventually. Mm-hmm. But he started out, he's a Hollywood stuntman that kind of started out in armor, and then he kind of became cursed as an actual demon. So he is, um, he's pretty much an actor that, you know, fights crime on the side. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a whole big... Uh, the whole big thing behind Blue Demon's story that gets really complicated. But he's a fun character. I really love him. I wish they'd do more with him. And it makes me sad that, again, he's kind of like Vixen, where they'll try and do something with him maybe once every 10 or 15 years, and then he just disappears for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he, he... He pulled a. He was a big role in Shadow Pack. Yeah, and so. I think I think if you I think he's a good. Um, I think he and Detective Chimp are a good pair. Like if you have one, you want the other. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So Shad, you're up for your last pick. Okay, so this might be bending things a little bit, but I'm going to ask for you to bear with me because my last reservist pick. Um. What I'm doing is I'm looking for someone that my group could call to kind of like, let's say there's a large scale action. Um, what was it called? Uh, the, like in Justice Society, Princes of Darkness, there's a whole thing with um, Mordrew and Eclipso and that sort of stuff. And so the Justice Society is actually working with the Freedom Fighters against the Princes of Darkness encroachment, right? What I'm doing, what I'm looking for is someone that my group could call up in kind of a similar capacity. And so you wouldn't see it very often. And you guys are going to have to tell me if I'm getting uh, beyond the pale with this pick. But this is, I would like for them to have on speed dial as backup if the uh if the situation demands it is the rocket red brigade i love the rocket red red brigade well just the <laughs> the one that kind of survives and joins the jli yeah well you end up with they 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 rebuilt out to you know a, a group 
Um, so it's you. I mean, yeah, they're Russian. It's a it's a Russian uh, power armor team, basically. And he's kind but, of in in his iconic look, which I'd say is the '80s. He's got kind of more antiquated armor. Like if you were to look uh, at Iron Man from the same era, like you'd be like, ah, oh, he's not quite as like slick looking as Iron Man, but I think that's part of like the charm of like the rocket red armor. Yeah, yeah, it, it it's easy enough to copy um, because they they make extra cut. You know, they there's a whole team of them. Easier to repair because there's multiple of them and stuff like that. Yeah, he's a good pick. I, I, he, if I would have gone a, a non-magical team, he would have been a high-up pick for me. Yeah, yeah, and and he's not someone you hear about a lot, so you've got a lot of, uh, you have a lot of uh, fertile ground to kind of play with. There. No, he was just in something a couple years ago, and I was shocked because I don't think he had been in anything. But I mean, he was uh, in Justice League Generation Lost. Okay, but the the problem is though. Um, DC for a good 20 something years now has totally neglected a large majority of their universe and characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there's a lot of characters that have not gotten used, unfortunately. Like since Didio showed up, um, they've really, they really, cause like I have a lot of problems with the way Marvel is now, but even today is dumbed down as both universes are. Marvel still does a better job of like utilizing those weird little side corners of their universe. And DC's really forgotten about what I think is some just great stuff that they just have no interest in mm-hmm. using at all. Yeah. They, there's a lot of stuff left by the wayside. And I wish there, I would love for them to, um, to delve more into people like uh, Bloodwind, and uh, here's here's a, a weird throwback, Agent Liberty. Uh, you know, it, it pl- play around with. Uh, you know, when was the last time we heard from Maxima? I even want stuff like Connor Hawk. Why can't we get some Connor oh, Hawk man. stuff? Mm-hmm. One of my f- favorite um, stories that I've read, and this is so weird. Your Connor Hawk reminded me that I read, and this is so weird, it was an issue of Batgirl. No, it was Birds of Prey. And Black Canary stepped up and issued a challenge to this group called the Silk Brothers. And it was it was basically, the whole thing was a martial arts duel, right? And the people that they recruited, they, they were like, oh, it's just you? This isn't... And she goes, no. I have brought a team with me. And they look up and... Like the Silk Brothers are freaking out because like that's Connor Hawking like that's Richard Dragon. What are we doing? It's like no 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 no. We outnumber them. Except Black Canary never said like in the background of the shot you see this plane going over and what she was doing is one of the Blackhawks was a member of their team. But since they didn't they didn't realize that that was she said you counted wrong. And so when it blew up the ship they're like oh no. Never mind. Uh, we'll call it a draw. But Connor Hawk being one of the preeminent martial artists, and there's a fun story where he was a candidate for the Justice League and something happened in the moon base. And the only thing he could do is, is crack open the case and get all his arrows out. And he was he was freaking out. Cause he was like, couldn't I have one pointy arrow, Dad? Oh, that, that was a GLA issue. Was, was that with yeah. Prometheus? Uh, it might have been Prometheus. Because that might have been his first appearance, because I think... That was the key. 
Okay. It was the key. Prometheus uh, is an interesting concept that I I wish they would do more with because he was he was a little weird, but I thought it was interesting because essentially he he's almost computer based and could like he had like discs on all of the um, the fighting styles of all the characters. There's a great uh, panel. Yeah, I think it was from Birds of Prey again, where Prometheus is like, no, I've got all of, you know, all your fighting styles here. And she was like, well, I've developed some new stuff. Let's see what I can do. And he just wipes the floor with Lady Shiva, of all people, right? And and Huntress steps to him, and she's like, you got one on me? He goes, you're not good enough to qualify for me to have a file on you. And she goes, okay, good. And she drops to her knees, and she slips brass knuckles on and just punches him in the testicles. <laughs> and that's how they beat Prometheus's. He was so arrogant that he didn't have files on everybody, just on the best people, and he didn't know how to anticipate Huntress. I have a soft spot for that Birds of Prey run. Yeah, it's a good run. But they um they they don't do it right anymore, so yeah. ah, sad. Well, so we have um just as a quick rundown, we have. Matt's team of Batman, Green Arrow, uh, Green Lantern, John Stewart, Etrigan, Power Girl, Wally West, Star Girl, with the Creeper and Plastic Man <laughs> on speed dial. Mm-hmm. We have um, Justice League Arcane, <laughs> Brad's team, <laughs> which is Doctor Fate, Alan Scott, uh, Zatanna, Detective Chimp, Mary Marvel, Vixen, Dead Man, with Swamp Thing and Blue Devil on speed dial, and then we have. I guess shiny happy Justice League, which is mine. I don't have a better name for it, but uh, Captain Marvel or Shazam, depending on how new or whatever name you use. Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, Kyle Rayner, Liberty Bell, Steel, Mira, Nightwing with Zariel and Rocket Red Brigade on speed dial. You know, I like how this turned out because if this were to exist in the same universe, our teams actually would serve very distinct purposes from each other. Mm-hmm. They really would. Because Matt's Matt's team would be a very could be a very good like covert dirty work team. Mm-hmm. And Shad's would have a very could be a very PR friendly like tackle the big public things. And then you have my team that's kind of cleaning up the the arcane magical side of things. And there's plenty of crossover where these teams could could intersect too. The only thing we wouldn't have an answer for is cosmic level, I don't think. Um, Shad's team would probably be the best cosmic. Uh, yeah, cosmic with, squad. with Captain Marvel, Martian Manhunter, and Kyle Rayner. That's uh, and could, maybe Zariel. Yeah, Steel wouldn't necessarily be terrible either. He wouldn't be terrible, but he, he'd probably be a little out of his depth. Yeah. Uh, it, it, like, let's say we had a big cosmic level event. You know, all three of our teams coming together would make sense, too. Mm-hmm. So that would... God, this could be a lot of fun. Yeah, Matt's mm-hmm. almost... Matt's almost has some touch of, like, the outsiders in it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of like a, a mix of outsiders and probably like justice justice society. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. Very, they're very interesting lineups. Yeah, because I think uh, I think Matt's team would eventually have like Katana 
people like that on speed dial. I con- I contemplated Katana, but I decided to have uh, a more like upbeat pick with Stargirl. I didn't want to make it two outsiders. Or um, sure. You know who would also be a good speed dial one for your team is a uh, Cassandra Kane. Oh man. Yeah, I thought about that too, but then I was like, I don't. I didn't really want to include double uh, Batman family yeah. people in there because then it becomes almost too Batman family, but. That that's that would be a solid pick of all the Batman family. I feel Cassandra Kane would probably work out the best, just because if 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 you you could actually go in that whole like uh, covert, I, not like Black Ops type of thing, but I mean she would be she would kind of fill that role. Yeah, Batman yeah. needs someone to like the the like. I need you to infiltrate uh, like a base or something like that while we come in the front door like that that would that'd be she'd be the role for that i also think yours would be like i also think yours would be like the storyline would be like batman and green arrow are kind of like hey you know justice league you guys are kind of too big picture you're you're letting like the street level stuff go by the wayside Mm -hmm. like there's Mm -hmm. all this stuff you guys could be doing for the average person i think that's I think kind of what would kick yours off. Like you seem like you would have besides the covert stuff, like a more socially conscious group. Mm-hmm. Uh, between Oliver and John Stewart and Batman and Batman. And then uh, Stargirl would probably have her eye on, on things affecting younger people too. So uh, yeah, the, the more street, you're bringing a bigger hammer to a street level thing, but that, I'm not saying that's bad. And even Wally, even Wally is more grounded, I think, in social consciousness mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, we we've got three very different um, spheres of responsibility <laughs> going, and yeah, I. Uh, like coming in, I knew a little bit of what Brad was looking at, and I, I very intentionally did not want to. Uh, I didn't want to step on toes because that's that's not. Um, uh, it was more fun to come up with something different. And I think a lot of my picks only work in context of each other as well. Right. Um, if you drop Detective Chimp on mine or Matt's team, he's not going to fit. No. And even like, <laughs> um, even like Alan Scott, I think on another team, like, why would you take Alan Scott when you can just take a GL of your choosing? Yeah, that is, that is, we, we all three got different flavors of green lanterns going. Yeah. Cause I feel like he specifically works in this context Dr. Mm-hmm. Fate, I think you have to mold your team differently if you're going to take Dr. Fate. Like, I don't think you could... You could dump him on Matt's team, I think, is like this reservist big gun. But I just think you kind of have to have some... some. You kind of have to have some thought put into it with Dr. Fate because he brings with him a whole universe of things. Yeah. It, it might be that Dr. Fate... Uh... He would have to be a reservist for Matt's team because then he might just like solve everything too fast. When he and a, he and a, a Terrigan might not get along so great. Yeah, that's also true. 
All right. Well, everybody out there, we hope you've enjoyed our uh, various stripes of Justice League going on here. This has been a lot of fun to do. Um, what'd you think of our picks? Uh, who would you have picked up? Uh, who would you have taken out? We would love to hear from you. Next show is going to be Build Your Own Avengers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of work to do. Because <laughs> yeah. while my, my knowledge on this side is is deep and wide, my knowledge on the Marvel side is not as this, much. This one's really going to be tricky for me. Because I could, I could pick so many people. Yeah, yeah, that's my problem. Because even... Because I think I'm going to go street levelly for mine, but even there, like, you mm-hmm. can really get into, like, the weeds of the yeah. world. I, my inclination is to try and go street level, but I kind of don't want to because I want to have it varied. Yeah, like, um, there's, there, there, I have, like, a thought of a team, but, like, you can just go so many places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of choices, and I'm I'm looking at my stuff now, and I think I've got um, oh okay, I've made a few notes. I don't have like a full team made out, but it doesn't exactly have a it's a phrase I'm looking for. It doesn't exactly have a, a focus to it. Like this is a just kind of an all arounder. Yeah, not it, like a global level threat, but not a, a, a not much beyond maybe national level threat team instead of global level level threat. If that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, I've, I've got I've got a lot of work to do. But, all right, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. We would love to hear from you on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and. Uh, again, please the reviews on your, your podcast platform of choice. And so this has been Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.